Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest instalment of the Gelsnet Weekly Podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Gray. Uh, it's been a while. Um, not been on uh, the hot seat now for, I think, about five or six weeks, certainly. Uh, this is my first time since the, the post-World Cup break um, and since the new managers came in as well. So, um, delighted to be here and delighted to be joined tonight by uh, well, a World Cup guru, let's be honest, along with, with Big Eck, uh, Brian Archer. Brian, how are you doing tonight? Buddy, I don't know if I can be called a World Cup guru. I think X and I got that got that tag to be honest. He's the one with all the stats and the knowledge. Uh, I think you you were just like a sponge taking it all in, but so so you became a guru that, by proxy. Huh? Um, and also joining us tonight, David Fraser. David, how you doing, mate? Not too bad, Craig. Evening, Brian. Evening, listeners and viewers. Looking forward to doing uh, the cut about the the games coming up, and obviously again, it's just been there during the week, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. And you just touched on it there, David. It's a it's a big show. It's the last show of twenty twenty two, and also we've got a, a big, big, big match to preview uh, on Monday. Um, just before we start though, um, just want to give a special mention to one of our sponsors, and that is Forest Precision Engineering. They are a subcontract Glasgow based engineering company. who have been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years, and we're absolutely delighted that we're backing up pod. You can get them over at www forest precisioneng.com and you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge which is a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand. For information on how to book this unique and intimate space you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk and just a wee reminder as well folks um, that you can also get us over on Twitter um, at Gelsnet online and check out the forum at www.gelsnet.co.uk. So, as we mentioned, first things first, um, before we go into uh, Monday's game, we had a big game on Wednesday that we had to win. Um, David, the manager at his press conference said three points, clean sheet. That was it verbatim. Um, do you sort of agree with those sentiments after that? Um, I Put it this way, I thought the thought Wednesday's performance was a was a marked improvement from last Friday's put it that way, Craig. Um seemed to be a a, a, you know, a, a kind of a rise in the tempo. Um still a lot of issues with the team, right enough. Um still a bit shot shy, to be fair. Uh, some uh how would you put it? Some deficiencies in midfield that I think that they need to, you know, eradicate before the, the upcoming game on Monday. So, but I know, like the important thing was, was was keeping the the momentum going. Three points, clean sheet. As the manager obviously said, uh, managed to Alfredo in the score sheet again. Alec Lowry getting some game time. So, uh, I I think it's like I think it's baby steps. Craig, I think it's fair to say that you know we're, we're kind of. Scratching for for rhythm, I think Max mentioned in a, numerous uh, pieces to to the media. Um, that, that he's, he's they're searching for rhythm, and I think they can see that the, the team is maybe looking for some confidence. But look, they're, they're, they're moving the right direction. I think it's fair to say that. No, definitely, and you kind of touched on it there, um, Brian. It's it's four wins on the bounce. Obviously, and that's that's the main thing. That's what we all want at Rangers. It's all about results, but. The manager, when he came into the job and in his interview and his press conference in the Blue Room, talked about implementing a certain style. Um, 
I don't think we've seen that yet. I think most people would agree with that, including the manager. And by the way, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He's only been in the job for a few weeks and we've had difficult games and we've, we've got the win. So you're not you're not going to get that style straight away. Um, when is it, do you think, that we can maybe maybe start to see that style be, be implemented properly? Do we need the January window? Do we need players to come back from injury? Is it both? I think it's a combination of both. I think we've seen elements of the style that it wants. I think there's been a marked improvement in terms of our pressing. I think we're, we're pressing more collectively now than we were under Gio. Um, but I still think there's a way to go for us to get to where Michael Beale wants us to be. I think we obviously need to get players back fit. I think Tom Lawrence and Hadji are potentially key to implementing that style that Beale wants in terms of those type of players and the quality that they'll bring. Um, so they could have a big impact when they get back fit. Um, and yeah, I guess it's just time on the training pitch. I think Michael Beale is one of those kind of training pitch coaches where he likes to get on the grass and work with the players and kind of put his ideas into place there. Um, so I guess the more time he gets on the training pitch, the more we'll see his style implemented. Um, but as I, say, I think he's, he's only been in the job a couple of weeks, so it's no surprise that we've not, you know, we're not exactly where he wants us to be. Um, but I think that will come in time as we get players back fit. And I think there's probably more players that are playing through injury than what we know now in terms of we know that Lindstrom's had to have injections and Tav's been, you know, under the weather with a virus. McGregor's been out with a virus. We know Alfie's playing through hamstring issues. So not it's not just the players that are out injured. It's also the ones that although they're playing, they're probably playing a few kind of levels below their capability uh, because they're playing through these injuries. We know Kamara is another one that's... Um, I think Michael Beale said he actually needs an operation, but he's kind of putting that on hold and still playing through it. So that all plays its part as well in terms of the players not being at the level that Michael Beale wants them to be. Uh, but hopefully once we get kind of more players back fit and kind of get players over these kind of niggles that they've got, then we can start to see that still being implemented a bit more. Yeah, definitely. And this might be a wee bit of a detour, but obviously you mentioned the injuries there. Um, Michael Beale is someone who, I think in terms of um, how his press conferences are, Brian, they're, they're very different from Gio's in terms of, um, let's just say, information giving, if that kind of makes sense. Um, my dad's actually turned around and said that uh, Michael Beale's the most honest Rangers manager in their history and he's only been in the job for a couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, he has been given quite detailed updates on on players in terms of injuries and stuff like that. Which I think, from a fan's point of view, it's great because, you know, you want to find out stuff about your players. At the same time, though, do you think, in some cases, he might be a wee bit too honest? I'm just thinking to, on Wednesday night, um, he was asked about, obviously, Morelos coming off if we know he's fit for Monday, which is great. But he was kind of saying that, you know, he had to be careful with Cholak and Roof. Um, and if Morelos was out on Monday, then both of them would share minutes on Monday. Cholak and Roof in the game. So I think there is a fine line between giving injury updates and stuff like that, but then also maybe giving away too much information to the opponent. I mean, I think nowadays, you know, certainly in the SPFL, we play every team, what, four times a season potentially. So I don't think there's any secrets in terms of how teams play or how teams set up. I think most managers will be able to predict most other teams' lineups pretty accurately in the SPFL, so I don't think he's necessarily worried about giving too much away. I think it's quite refreshing just now that he is so open. Um, and his press conference is obviously a massive change from Van Brockhorst, but it's probably going to be one of those things that if things turn sour in terms of results, it'll be used as a stick to beat him with, but while he's still winning, 
then it's seen as a positive, but it'll be one of those things that if he stops winning and the results stop going the way you want them to go, then it'll be used as a stick to beat him with. So it's kind of it's kind of one of those no-win situations, I guess. But for me, it's quite refreshing to kind of hear a manager just be so open with the press and just, you know, he seems like somebody that just loves talking about football and he'll just sit there and talk to you all day about football, um, which is quite nice. Um, Dan Brockhorst was a bit more standoffish with the press and kind of guarded. Um, so it's a nice change. Um, and like I say, I don't think there's really any issue about giving too much information away because I think most managers know, you know, their opponent's team selection pretty accurately nowadays. We play we play each other that often up here, it's not a big secret. No, absolutely. Um, David, one thing that I've kind of maybe noticed the last wee while as well is that, well, the four games in, obviously the performances for the most part haven't been there. Um, and there's a part of me that's thinking, you know, would be, if that was Gio that was getting the results, you know, would we be as, you know, quite forgiving of him? Although the argument on the other hand is that if Gio was the manager, then we wouldn't be getting the results like, like the Hibs game and the Aberdeen game. Um, sorry, sorry, I, I did quite pick up your point. I thought you saying that you know, I've been more forgiving because it's a new manager. Yeah, because well, I, yeah, I think the I don't think we've seen a massive sort of change in tempo in terms of the performances. I don't think we look drastically better, but obviously the results the results have been there. So, right, sure. so do you, do you um, think maybe if Gio was still the manager and the results were there, then we would be quite as forgiven? Because obviously Gio was getting a lot of decent results in the league up until that sort uh -huh. of last week. No, oh, here we are coming from. Uh, no, what I would what I would say is I th I think, but well, I can only speak for myself. I, I don't, I'm not saying this is necessarily a consensus. Um, I think uh, the last time I was on, uh, it was after St. Mum game. Aye. Uh, I thought I'd kind of mind if it was with yourself, Craig. Aye, would have been. Um, I, 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 I seem to remember. I didn't miss Malik Town. Uh, well, see the other night there, I was quite confused by Malik Tillman's uh, performance. I would say his, his effort levels have went up at least 10, maybe 15, maybe even 20%. He seems to be more concentrated. So if you can maybe use Malik Tillman's performances as a, you know, holding up a mirror to the, to the team's performance, I would say that the, that the levels have went up. There's definitely, well, I can perceive to, there to be um, more effort. Or what appears to be more effort, there seems to be more, they're, they're more dynamic in, in, in terms of actually, um, you, you can see that they're trying to follow a plan and they're, they're trying, they're busting a gut to try and, you know, fulfill the manager's wishes, if you, if you like. Whereas under Van Bronckhurst, it was almost like, you know, maybe they would just, you know, they, they didn't like the, the, the tactic that was being set out for them, and maybe there was a collective thinking that they go, um, we just don't really fancy how this guy's asking us to play. And they, yes, they were, you know, they were, they were carrying the instructions, but they weren't doing it with the same kind of enthusiasm. I, I don't know whether that's necessarily accurate, but for my money, anyway, I can perceive a, a kind of a willingness to improve. Um, you would expect that under a new manager. I mean, a lot of my playing for the futures, um, but I think there's a there's a general. Uh, feeling that you know it's a fresh start, it's an opportunity for guys to, to come in. They've maybe been you know cold shouldered with the previous uh, management team, and uh, to come in and try and reassert themselves because you know the, the players that have got um, question marks hanging above them, where you know it's, it's maybe not necessarily common knowledge in the public domain, but I dare say players are aware that you know some 
uh, you know, there's a, a groundswell of opinion that certain fans are maybe saying, well, he's coming to the end, should he be offered a contract? Take, take Ryan, Jack fans, and see, I dare say Ryan will be well clued up about the fact that a lot of the supporters are maybe questioning the validity of whether he should be offered a new contract coming. So there's that. Um, I'd like to think that uh, we as supporters uh, would, would give any manager the benefit of the doubt for getting the results. You know, at, at the end of the day, we, we can max lyrical about lighting a, a style of performance, but you know, it's a results driven business. And you know, throughout my time supporting Rangers, whilst I've always wanted to, to play with a certain style and a certain panache, if, if we could, we, we flare players. The bottom line has always been the three points ever since having gone I was you know, back to the LA. So um no, I don't I think you, you would you know if Gio was, was still in the hot seat and we're still getting the results, I'd like to think that we would you know would afford any manager um you know kudos for, for, for delivering three points and but the managers come in, new new managers come in and he's he's got the team at least Looking like they're, they're, you know, they want to make an effort to move in the right direction. No, definitely. And, and Brian, um, David kind of mentioned a the point there about obviously results are, are the main thing at Rangers and whatnot. And, but we do want to play with a certain style. I think one thing with Michael Beale, and you kind of noticed that going back to the, the year we won the league, I think that obviously Gerald was the manager, but we know Beale was the, the sort of the brains behind the operation, if you will. Um, I think he's seen maybe in the first half of the season, the style that he wants to play, they want to play, and it was being implemented brilliantly. I think it won 15 games on the spin. And then it was kind of like, as soon as we had that massive gap between us and Celtic, it came to a point of, right, don't do anything stupid. Go out and get the result. You know, how many 1-0 games did we have that season after after Christmas? Well, Hibs game in Boxing Day, Celtic game the 2nd of January. Um, Livingston away, um, one 0 Come on, look at home, St Johnson. That's five one 0s that I've mentioned there, and it was all one 0s and no two ones because we won the conceding goals. But in those five games, as an example, the performances weren't anywhere near what they were sort of earlier on in the season. But it was about adapting um, their style to to suit the players and get that result. And at the end of the day, Brian, that that's all that matters at this club. As I think we're not a club that kind of we don't kind of profess to play the Rangers way. You know, we've got teams like West Ham. You know, they talk about the West Ham way and how they play. That's not really us. We're just all about winning. We just you know just just wave shiny things at us. That's all. That's all we're interested in is picking up the trophies at the end of the season. We're not really a club that's kind of talks about you know playing a specific way. Um, we just talk about you know playing a brand of football that wins and brings us silverware. Um, that's always been the kind of main objective of Rangers than it always should be. Um, so I think, you know, Will Beal's a coach that wants to play a certain way. I think he also realises that at the minute, the players maybe aren't at the level to deliver that brand of football. So at the minute, I think he's just trying to find a way to win and just get us through this kind of first couple of months of his tenure. And then he'll probably look to embed his style of play a bit more once he gets those players back fit. Um, I think he's very much in the mindset just now of kind of win at all costs. And then we'll look at, you know, the performances will hopefully come after that. And at the end of the day, a big part for me of kind of playing a specific style of playing, certainly the style of play he wants to play is about confidence. And confidence in that squad must have been rock bottom when he came in. 
and for me the biggest thing that will lift confidence is winning matches so just by us getting these you know victories that we have over the last four games hopefully we can extend that um you know in the upcoming games that will lift confidence and that will again kind of help with him implementing his style of play in terms of playing the way he wants to play and getting that belief back no, absolutely. David, you mentioned uh, him earlier in terms of his performances. Malik Tillman someone that I want to talk about. Um, I think the ability's always been there from him um, under Gio, but I think he just sort of blew hot and cold in a lot of matches. Um, I don't think Gio helped him in a couple of circumstances. I'm thinking Anfield and, and Celtic Park playing him out in the right wing where he's clearly not a winger. We see Bill playing him sort of, he said on Wednesday, um, he sees him as an eight sort of playing between between the lines. Tillman says he's either an eight or a ten, is just round about that is where he wants to play. We've got, I think, I believe this is correct, a six million pound um clause on him to to keep him. Um so is that something that if you were Michael Beale and, and the money's there, is that something that you'd be you'd be looking to to take advantage of? I've got to be honest, Craig, no it's six million pounds. Uh, he's a nice player. Look, I've, I've, I've went on record before. He's a nice player. I, I like him as a as a footballer. Um, he's still young. He's, he's still raw. Uh, although he, he, he does have have guile. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, where he's playing in the pitch, uh, I, I totally concur with you. I think it's it's, it's um, you need to be Colombo to work out the fact that that uh, Gio was was maybe selling him short there. He was asking to play. Yeah. Uh, Max went on record in the same way he sees him in the team and whilst he maybe know about a 10 you know, per se you know, with how Rangers tend to play certainly you know, if you were to put me in the spot and ask where would you play him in the past I would say he's an inside forward uh, he's, he's not a I don't see him as a midfielder although you know, he, he's, he does have an act of winning the ball back quite high up the park and, he, and as I said there earlier in my previous answer to you on Wednesday night he seemed willing or more willing than I've seen him in the past to track back and actually do a, a bit of the dirty work in the midfield and that would tend to suggest that he's he's maybe acutely aware that you know if he has got uh, designs on becoming a, a Rangers player permanently that he knows that he's playing for his for a contract so um, I, I, I like him I think there would be a ceiling on where uh, I'd be prepared to, to deal with and I'd be brutally frank with me I'd, I'd be looking I'd be instructed if I was for Michael Beale I'd be instructing Lewis Wilson to renegotiate the deal with, with Bayern Munich but I do like him as a player I would be prepared to take him prepared, um, if it's at the right price and I think the £6 million is, is too far too much to ask for that that lad at his current, current juncture in his career Mm. No, fair enough. I mean, we're all entitled to our opinions. I'm, I'm with the opposite. One, I think we should take advantage of it. Um, the reasons that I do is he's young, he's 20 years old. And I, from what I, I know, Bayern have a, a buyback clause, which would obviously be, you would imagine, three, four times that six million. So it's kind of like if he's good for us for a couple of years and buy him, want him back, then they would need to pay big money for him to get him back, or, you know, we could always sell him on to a different team. So I think he is someone who would have a sell-on value there. Um, but, you know, obviously it's a decision for the manager to make. I think the manager loves him, to be honest. Um, I think if the money is there and it's available, 
I think he'll buy him, to be honest, because just I think you, you realise, oh, David, just the way that he talks about it, I think he's somebody that he really, he really, really likes. It fits the profile, I sorry, sorry about it again. It definitely fits the profile of the type of players that we want to, to bring in. And he's a type, to be fair, he's a type of player that Rangers need. But he's unproven yet, Craig. I think it's fair to say that. I mean, he's not done anything in his career. He's, 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 I think it's, it's too too harsh to say flats to deceive, but he's he's still got it all to prove. Now, I would say that Michael Beale was probably a... You know, looking at it from Alex's perspective, I would strongly imagine, or I'd like to imagine, that Michael's the type of coach he'd want to work under. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, a, a football coach, as opposed to, you know, a methodologist, that type of thing, a tactician, somebody that, is, that looks to, you know, a holistic approach to, to player development. So, from the player's perspective, and I, I would like to, you know, hope that maybe his, his, his agent sees it similarly, that, that Rangers might be you know, a good place, especially with uh, Michael Beale with his reputation for, for player development, maybe a good place to, to start his, uh, his fledgling career and talk way through it. No, I think so. I, I, as you say, that's a, that's a good point about Michael Beale as well, because he is, as you say, he's not a tactician as such, he's a, he's a coach. And if you look at Michael Beale's Instagram and all that, it says football coach at Rangers, you know, and that's what it's always been. I think his has sort of main aim and it always has been is to to make young players better. But um no that was um that was good. So obviously we're, we're gonna cut away for the game a wee bit on Wednesday just before we, we dive into Monday's game. Um and I'll I'll discuss it with you, Brian. Um we had um a podcast earlier um on Twitter who will remain lame, uh, nameless because we don't want to give them as much attention as we're already giving them. Um but if you know you know if you don't you don't we'll we'll try and explain the situation. Basically they put up a tweet um, talking about the 12 best Scottish football wants are 2012. So in it, you had, you know, things you would expect. Scotland beating Austria in a special night. Mark McGee taking charge of Dundee and all the comedy that that provided us with where he said he was going to starve himself and, and turn the heating off, which, to be honest, nowadays is probably the best thing if you want to save a wee bit of cash. Um, of course, uh, number five was Harry Kane missing against France because... There's nothing quite like, um, you know, getting it up England and, and taking the, the mickey out of them about no one in our competition that we couldn't qualify for in the first place. Uh, number two, it gets better. Rangers reach the Europa League final. And you're thinking, brilliant. But then number one is Rangers lose the Europa League final. Um, yeah, it was great for them to get it, but we didn't want them to actually bloody win the thing. Bonus points for it being Aaron Ramsey to miss a penalty the latest in a long series of big-name ex-EPL players to come up here and do bugger all. Nice assist versus Aaron, though. Um, when I seen that, I was just like, that just sums the tin pottery of Scottish football up. But I mean, I, I put a tweet earlier because I, I, I caught them, this Twitter page and podcast from a few years ago, saying that the whole of Scottish football needs to work together to promote itself. Now, Brian, surely... Uh, there's nothing better for promoting Scottish football than a Scottish club being in a major European final. And it doesn't really help Scottish football's cause when you've got a podcast that claims to promote Scottish football wanting one of your teams to lose it, does it? Uh, for me, it's just another example of Scottish football hating itself to death. Mm. Um, you know, it's I've seen a tweet from a Sunderland fan page 
Yeah, they were talking about us being interested in it. Is it Ross Stewart? Really? Oh, yes, yes. Um, and they described the Scottish League as a joke league. And stuff like this, I think, contributes to that. Why we're seen as a bit of a joke is, you know, that, you know, Scottish clubs just seem to kind of dead petty and sniping at each other. I don't expect other Scottish clubs to kind of get the button out when Rangers do well in Europe. You know, I wouldn't expect, you know, Celtic fans to be cheering us on exactly, or Hearts fans or Aberdeen fans to be cheering us on, but to have that as your kind of number one moment of 2022 for, for Scottish football just kind of says it all really about how the kind of petty nature of Scottish football is. Um, to me, it doesn't really bother me. I've seen another tweet just there as well. Um, can I put it perfectly? Is that if you're a Rangers fan and you don't really agree with how we get covered by other kind of supposedly neutral podcasts, you know, there's plenty of other, you know, Rangers fan content out there to get your to get your content. We're from, on one so, just now for the for the listeners uh, home, by the way. I, I think for me that's what I do. I don't really pay attention to these kind of supposed neutral podcasts because to me they don't really offer me anything that, that I want to listen to. So I just get my content straight from Rangers fans and I rather than kind of giving them your time here or kind of complaining about it, I just kind of go down that route, to be honest. No, that's, um, I think we could all probably take a lesson for that, Brian, but it doesn't half a noise at times. I mean, I, th- I think the thing that really sort of gets to me is, as you say, supposedly neutral. Do you know what I mean? This is a, a podcast that, you know, it's got Hamden and, and its cover background, you know, claims to promote Scottish football as a whole. And there seems to be a lot of these ones in Scotland where it's like, I don't know, at Scotland Talk or um, at Tartan Army or something like that, right? I'm just making up names now, right? But you know what I mean? Stuff that pertains to Scottish football. Um, and then they will have the wee discussions about Scottish football, but they just can't help but put the boot into Rangers at any opportunity. And this isn't about, you know, people even supporting Celtic or anything like that. It's nothing to do with that. It's more just sort of their utter contempt for Rangers because I, I, I've certainly found the last few years, certainly since 2012 and probably before, but I can only go on that, that, you know, it's not so much that Dundee United and Hibs fans love Celtic and whatnot, they just hate Rangers. It's it's one of those things where they say they hate us and, and they kind of claim we're dead, but yet they just can't stop talking about us. It's, as we've always said, it's all about Rangers. Yep, and speaking of teams, I... It's all about the Rangers. Correct. And speaking of teams that can't stop talking about is we're playing Celtic on Monday. Um, and obviously that's um, our next point. Look, guys, it's, you know, we don't, it doesn't need an introduction. Biggest game of the season, etc., etc., etc. The New Year games are always brilliant. We've actually had a pretty decent record in them the last few years as well. Um, and obviously it's going to be a poignant day with, with the anniversary of the Ibrox disaster, which we should also... Um, mention as well, obviously sending our, um, our condolences and our, our thoughts to everyone that was, was affected by that horrible tragedy, but you know, back, back to matters on the pitch um, David, I'm confident going into this I'm always confident going into these games I think, whilst we might not have got the style yet under Beal, um I think we'll certainly get the attitude and we'll certainly get the character to, to go and get a result Monday, and when I say a result, I mean a win because that is the only result that matters why do you think so, Craig? Um, I think I like the, the manager's psychology, um, his comments after the game Wednesday night. Uh, he said it will be, be difficult when it's fair to say that your brains are only playing as well as, as uh, the opposition. I think he mentioned or them 
I've refused to mention him by name yet again. So bonus points for Michael, where that's concerned. Um, no, to come back to the game, aye, look, it's a must-win game. Would uh, it be the end of the world if they, if they got a draw? Uh, mathematically, not, obviously, but you know, realistically, yes. Um, I think that they've, they've got it in them to win. Of course, I mean, they're, they're players that have been over the course before. Uh, there are a good of players, for the most part, who um, certainly under uh, Stephen Gerrard and Michael Beale and that, in his previous time at the club, seem to have the measure of Celtic, um, albeit you know, they only came up against Ange Postecoglou once in the league uh, last season. But I right, look, look, let's you know, break it down to brass tacks here, Craig. We've got to win. To some point, that you know, if, 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 the, if, the, if the team have got any aspirations of clawing back the deficit and, be, and being champions in May, then they've got to win this game. And uh, given the reverse that we suffered um, at Parkhead early in the season, I think the players owe it themselves and the fans to find a performance against Celtic and, and show them you know, that there's another team in town because, you know, let's face it, I mean, you guys are long enough in the test now watching Rangers that when it come, when push comes to shove, we're the only team that can take care of them. Uh, you can't rely on Aberdeen, you can't rely on Hearts, you, can't, you certainly can't rely on Hibs. And he uh, kind of aligned Dundee United either, given their lowly position. So, you know, they kind of, the, 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 the landscape of Scottish football is such now that it's, it's most definitely a two horse race. And you're the only side that can, can bloody their nose properly and go and beat them. So, look, it's there, it's there for us. If, what, what more incentive do you need? Your first game, old firm game under your new manager, you want to impress. There's players that, are, that surely are chanting at that. And uh, hopefully the, the crowd can get uh, behind the lads and they can go in and get a, get a result and get three points. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think like, I'm not ever going to concede championships or anything like that until it's done. But for me, it's a must win, not so much to keep the title alive, Brian, but for me it's more a statement win in the sense that I, I think this season, you know, could be compared a lot to maybe when Alec McLeish took over for Dick Advocat in 2002. Because if you look at that, the league was done when McLeish came in, but he managed to get Martin and the own Celtics number um, and winning the two cups. Um, obviously, you know, and obviously that that magical loving Kranz moment. And, and I just think that, you know, for the last year anyway, since Postecoglou's came in, apart from one game, really that semi-final at Hamden, they have had it all their own way pretty much in this fixture. And, you know, like David said, Michael Beale had the measure of Celtic when when they were here. Technically, right now, Michael Beale's unbeaten in his last seven games against Celtic and he can make it eight on Monday. Um, but for me, I just think that moving on for, for the rest of the season, I think, you know, from a mentality point of view, it proves that this Rangers team can win it. To the Celtic players... It might spook them a wee bit because they're probably thinking, well, look, we've had it all their own way. They've got a new manager. They've got a new mentality. And I think that could be really big heading into February, March time when it's very, very likely we'll be playing them in a cup final. So for me, more than anything, it's about going into that game knowing that, that we can beat them and we have got their number. Yeah, for me, a win does two things, really. Can I 
keeps the title race alive. And it puts a wee bit of pressure on them. They've not been under pressure really for a lot of time that, that Postacoglu has been here. They've kind of had it all done way, largely for me, uh, of our own doing in terms of I always go back to the start of last season when we were drawing the hearts and Motherwell at Ibrox and getting beat with Dundee United and you know we could have been out of sight with them um, last season. Um, so for me, I'd just like to put them under a wee bit of pressure and let's see how they cope with being chased down and see if they, when they've got that pressure of knowing that they need to win every week because we're kind of on their coattails and we're only six points behind if we win on, on Monday, then, you know, let's let's see how they cope with that. Let's see if that might just kind of spook them a bit and, and who knows what can happen. And for me, it, it gives the our group of players a shot in the arm in terms of confidence. I think it'd be a massive lift for them to put in a performance and get a good win. I think that just kind of, it lifts the whole mood, it changes the whole dynamic of the club. It just, it, it just it makes them believe again that, you know, they are, we know them, they're a good group of players, we know how good they can be. And I think a performance and a win on Monday would kind of give them that belief as much as anything. I think they almost need to, to believe again how good they can be. Um, and hopefully they, they get the win on Monday and that can just go a long way to kind of proving that. No, definitely. And, and look, Brian, you made a good point there about sort of putting them under pressure because one thing that I've noticed with Celtic this season is that in the games that we played before them, so for example, the Hibs game on Thursday, um, we won that and then they go to Aberdeen on the Saturday. We know Aberdeen were honking against them, right? But Celtic weren't brilliant either. Celtic struggled against Aberdeen for that game um, in terms of breaking them down. And it seemed to be that on most occasions... When we have won and we've put them under a wee bit of pressure, the performances have dipped. Now, the results haven't dipped because, as Dave has mentioned, you know, the standard of Scottish football, especially this year, it's a two-horse race. You're not going to get any favours in the long run of other teams, but the performances certainly have dipped. And, you know, I think up until the last couple of games, the performances were dipping. Obviously, the, the last two games, they were... They were great and whatnot, and they're coming back into form at the right time. But I think, as you say, just putting them putting them under a wee bit of pressure. And one guy, um, Brian, I just want to mention as as Morelos, obviously, he's declared himself fit. The manager today said he was fit. I was thinking about this earlier, and it might be a bit weird or whatever, right? But just just hear me out. So Morelos has started against Celtic under Postacoglu one time and that was a game that we won with Philander now the games that Celtic have dominated against us Morelos has only played in one of them and that was when he came off the bench for the last 20 minutes at Parkhead in September when you know the game the game was done at that point in the other games that were played Celtic have started Kamal Roof Fashion Sakala and Cholak up front now Cholak and Roof in my opinion are very similar in the sense that they're penalty box strikers you know, Ruth can create a wee bit more, but in essence, it's about getting the ball to them and, and trying to get, get them to put the ball in the net. Sakala's a wee bit different because whilst he might not have the finishing attributes and maybe the strength, he certainly get the pace. And the game that he played in May and the game that he played when he came on in uh, the semi-final, he gave Starfelt and Carter Vickers a complete runaround. So it seems that when we're playing penalty box strikers against these two defenders in particular, they're they're fine with that because it's like, well, all we need to do is make sure that Cholak or Ruff doesn't get the ball. But I think with someone like Morelos up there, you know, bashing them about, being physical, 
you know, we've seen it with a Celtic team that look, I'm not I'm not gonna be one of these people that are saying, Oh, Celtic are bad, you know, that like this, that, the next thing. I'm not they're a good team, right? But there has been a consistency with our Celtic team in the sense that when they come up against better sides in Europe, they constantly struggle. And they're not really getting tested in Scotland by us as well. So I think, you know, if we go with someone like Morelos, who hopefully does start, I think that changes the dynamics completely, especially after the, the sort of better form that he's coming into now under Bill. Yeah, I think the one thing Morelos has got that Julak and Ruth don't, it's not really their game is, Morelos has got the ability to occupy an entire back four almost in his own. He can bully defenders, we've seen it before. When Morelos is on his game, there's you know not really a centre-half in Scottish football that can love him. To be honest, he's he's that good a player and he can he can bully defenders. Um, so you know that Morelos on that form can definitely be a handful for that um, Celtic back four. And I think you're right in terms of you know there's kind of a bit of a narrative around Celtic that they've been this swashbuckling team that's blown away all before them. And that's not really true in terms of they've had a lot of last-minute winners. Now, I know a lot of people will say oh, that's the sign of champions, and yeah, that's true. But, you know, also, if we put a bit of pressure on, you know, they might not get those last-minute goals and things can turn. So, whilst, yes, they're favourites and they'll get every right to be, because, you know, let's be honest, we can't we can't lie in terms of the run they've been on. They've been on a fantastic run. But I think this whole narrative about, you know, they're this swashbuckling team that's blown everyone away, isn't, doesn't really bear true in terms of if you look at results. And so, you know, I think... We definitely go in there, we're at home, so we should go in there with some confidence. We're on the back of four wins. Um, Morelos up front, and know, let's get the ball to him, let's let him do his thing. Let's let him bully Carter, Wicker and Starfield and just see where we go. I definitely think we've got the ability to put them under pressure and score some goals. No, definitely. For me, the key is making a, making a strong start. Um, and I don't just mean five minutes. Um, I think you kind of see consistently with a Celtic team that if you can keep it at 0-0 or even if they a goal up sort of heading into the last sort of 30, even 35 minutes, they, they seem to run out of pace and oxygen eventually and that's when you can you can, you can can hit them. So I think making that strong start is vital. And, and David, another guy I want to talk about is, is Borna Barisic. Um, you know, I was a wee bit surprised he came straight back in on Wednesday, but fair play to him. I thought he was thought he was brilliant to assist. His his first foot in for for Morelos, his goal was brilliant. It was like a throwback to to a couple of seasons ago. Um, I think it's quite clear that he is going to start now, and I think he was brought in on Wednesday with a view to him starting on Monday. My only fear with that is I think it's great for the balance and great delivery and whatnot, but my fear with that is we've seen Barisic crumble in these occasions before. How important is it for him that, you know, he, you know, just stands up and, you know, makes himself count in this game, especially at the start? Very important, Craig. Very important. That, that, that equally applies to all of them. You know, you've mentioned Bona Barisic there, he's, he's suffered a couple of Really poor performances at Parkhead. Uh, so he's got a lot to make up for. But he's experienced and he, he's played well against them in the past. So, you know, he's shown in the past he can do it. So we would like to, to think that the real Bonabarisic will, will turn up on Monday, assuming he's, he's selected to play. Um, 
I've I've got slight misgivings about uh, how tight they can keep it. I would go as far as say the first goal is key in this game. If we can get the first goal, I, I would like you, you have been uh, discussing there in terms of the confidence and the psychological side of it. You know they've 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 not really went behind too often. You know, um, so have they been tested about whether they, their powers of recovery? Uh, especially in the, the cold and the Ibrox and all fun games. So, but to get back to Barisic, I obviously what I was say was you know the backs. I think it's, it's it's fair to say that it's pretty obvious that the backs have been starting higher up under under Michael Gill. So, um, and especially Patoji, I think you've seen that, that first half how exposed that the Rangers could possibly have been when Rabi Aberdeen not the path a good few times and could have could have punished. Rangers uh, scoring goals, but fortunately, you know, Aberdeen uh, having a personnel that they did, they, they didn't punish us. I don't think that will happen with Celtic. I think Celtic are obviously a far better player than Aberdeen, and I think if, if Rangers are as open as they were at Petrodge, I'm not saying that was necessarily the case um, certainly Wednesday night against Motherwell, although there was, there was aspects of the midfield maybe, you know, not quite being in the right area of the park when, when uh, there was turnovers of the ball. But if we can keep it tight, and Borna Barisic is obviously key to that. So I would say the two backs, um, Tavernier as well, we need to keep that tight for the first 20, 25 minutes. And if we can do that, build our base, hopefully get an early goal uh, and take the confidence that would presumably arise from that. Uh, so I look, Borna owes us a performance. He owes himself a performance. Uh, I know there's been a lot of noise with these comments when he was back home in Croatia. So... He's under scrutiny. He knows that. It's a question of, you know, can the player himself fire, fire himself up? Um, is he going to be on it? I mean, I cast my mind back to uh, the game that you mentioned when, when Philip Hollander scored last August. And uh, at the end of that game, Bourne obviously went off the part and it was as if, you know, he was, he was getting, waving his goodbyes. And I seem to recall it, it's not a bad game that day. So, can he assist? Undoubtedly. I mean, that, that cross in Wednesday night was pinpoint. Alfie couldn't miss. Um, and his overall play was good. Positionally, uh, at the back post, I, he's always he's always a, a, an Achilles heel element to that. The part he's defending. He's not the greatest at blocking crosses. But in terms of one-on-one, there's very few players, certainly in Scotland, that are the better than him. So, um, let's just hope he's switched on, Craig, and that uh, you know, the whole back line uh, can, can, can put in a performance. I think it's, it's massive the fact that, that Conor Wilson's back and he's got minutes in his leg, his legs, and he's holding the, holding the back line together. Obviously, Ben Davis is, is, is looking for, you know, momentum in terms of his fitness to try and build it up. But it looks as if there's another way the, the starting's a partnership there. So, big game. Can the players deliver? Obviously, Bonner Barisic has been over the course before. He needs a performance to convince the supporters that he's maybe turned a corner. Especially in Lighty's comments on how he was reporting the press here during the week. So, all right, let's hope that he can, he can bring his own game to the party Monday. No, absolutely. And Ryan, it was an interesting point that David made there about us being a wee bit open at the back. And obviously, he said that, you know, if we, if we weren't playing Aberdeen, we might have been punished. And in fairness, I thought Motherwell on a couple of occasions on Wednesday looked a wee bit dangerous when they were putting balls in behind. I suppose that is true, but at the same time, 
if you look at the way that Celtic are going to approach it compared to how Aberdeen are going, like or Manuel approach it, Celtic are going to be the type that just lump balls up to Kyogo and hope that he like holds it up. I would assume it's Kyogo that's playing, um, and hope that he holds up and bullies like Goldson or Davies. Celtic like to get out wide. They like to play it to Jota, Bada, Maida, whoever it is out wide. So maybe that might actually suit us in terms of the way that we are playing because. You know, if we are a wee bit open, it might just be sort of at at that sort of point with, with Davies and Goldson, if you kind of get me. Um, but how how do you think we should approach it, Brian? Because I'm I'm kind of in two minds here because I mean, look at how we approached the game in April. I think it was Ramsey scores after two minutes, places bouncing, and then they get a bit of fortuitous equaliser in terms of. We we mess up, um, and then the place just deflates completely. Um, I, I'm kind of torn between that sort of fast, raucous start, etc., of just sort of keeping keeping it tight, etc. Because I, I remember when Shakhtar played Celtic at, at Parkhead, and I thought the Shakhtar manager made an interesting point where he said, "In this game, we need to suffer basically for the first 20 minutes or so and we know we need to do that to try and get a result and they did that they did end up getting the result Shakhtar should have won that night so do you think that's something that we should do or, or do you think we should go for that more sort of fast start that we've seen in April? For me I'm not sure we've got it in us just now to kind of soak up pressure for 20 minutes and then come into the game I don't think we can afford to sit off this Celtic team I yeah. think we've shown uh, at Parkhead what they can do is if we just sit off and let them have the play, I think we need to go at them from the first whistle. Um, the key for me, I know what you were saying about the April game, that we kind of did that, we had the fast start, but then we just kind of stopped after we got the goal. For me, that's the thing we can't do, is if we if we have that fast start and we get the goal, we need to keep going, we need to keep on them. Yeah, for me, this is a team that they're not really used to kind of having teams go after them domestically, they're used to having it all their own way, in terms of teams generally sit back and let them have the ball and make the play. Um, if we can get after them and press them high and really kind of let them know they're in a game, then for me that will kind of let us see what they're made of. Um, so for me that's how we've got to approach it. We're the home team. We need to take the initiative. We need to impose our style on them rather than what we've done previously and let them stamp um, their style on us. That Like we did at Parkhead, we can't afford to do that again. Otherwise it'll be the same result. I think and I, I think they sort of hinted that this express promise today is that we need to be Kind of right after them from the first whistle. I think that's how we're going to approach it. No, I, I completely agree. I think I think that's the only way we can do it. And, and as you say, I think the key is is not to stop. You know, if even if we do lose an early goal, you know, it can happen. Just don't don't let the heads drop and, and keep going. Because as I say, like when I Celtic team, even if they have been a goal up and they have been a goal up with sort of half an hour to go, they eventually run out of steam, and you see better players take them apart in the latter stages um, and we do have players that can do that it's just a case of, of whether they show up or not. David I just want to touch um, lastly on on the midfield because I think I think most of the team picks itself but we're maybe a wee bit stuck in terms of that midfield three. I think the back five we know the front three will likely be Tillman, Kent, Morelos but the midfield it's a wee bit mm, I, I don't know because obviously Lowry came in on Wednesday, can't see him playing on Monday um, 
I've got a feeling that Arfield's going to come in for this. Um, but then it's a case of, you know, do you keep, do you bring in Kamara? Because we know Bill loves Kamara. Do you keep Jack and Lundstrom? To be honest, I'm, I don't think Lundstrom's performances have been great for most of the season. I don't think he's been excellent since Beams came back. So I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm a wee bit sort of conflicted between bringing in Kamara for Lundstrom or, and Alfield for Lowry. How, how, how would you set up if, if it was you? Uh, well, I would, to go back to the previous point, to, to preface what I'm about to say, I, I think it's, it's vital that we, we compete, Craig. Mm. Um, that's key, you know, and, 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 and so doing that, we're going to match their energy. And that'll be that will not be easy because they they're in it. they they uh, are set up to run like mad. I mean, you seen you seen you seen, you seen Japan the World Cup, especially uh, Maeda. No, he's he done through a black wall, and he's got he's got the the whole team playing like especially Japanese boys. So we've got to match their energy in the middle of the park. To go back to the point of the previous point I made about. Uh, the kind of uh, the kind of openness, if you like, that the backs. Just, let's assume that the, the, the same kind of general tactic is in play when the, the backs will be higher up, or as they have been under under Michael so far. That then, as you know, places a great deal of onus on the two sitting midfielders to be switched on, and you know, see when there's going to be a turnover of play. Obviously, no, no. No turn the ball over and lose it, especially in key areas of the pitch. So that 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 would be where the game's running lost for me. So to come back to your point about who do we actually pick, I think Alec Lowry eh, would possibly be starting the bench. John Lundstrom and Ryan Jack and Glenn Kamara, who do you pick out of those three? Scott Arfield. I would I'd play Scott Arfield, but you look at I'm coming on at Petodre, changes the game. And then the following Friday against Ross County, it'll be called a park. He was played out wide in the right. And he, did, he looked anonymous, Scott Arfield. But you can't you can't ask for a better game for him to come in and, and play like the season pro that he has. So would you bring him in? I'd be tempted to, to tweet the team and put four across the middle of the park to give the backs cover. That obviously plays a lot of bonus on the forward players. Now, obviously, Tillman's going to play, so is it, does he fit in at a four? Is he prepared to do the dirty work and track back? I think, you know, given his performance in Wednesday night, I think he's got an appetite for that. that he, to my mind, he didn't show under Van Donker, certainly latterly. Um, so, the midfield's where the game's going to be won and lost. That's the engine room. It's, you know, obviously where the ball you know, uh, tends to be for most of the game when you break it down. Um, so getting the, the right choice of player is obviously key. We're, we're obviously, we're struggling in terms of fitness, match sharpness, gen- general physical fitness. But you'd like to think that, you know, the game being as, you know, as big as it is, that these players, whoever's picked, will come to the party. I've got my scammings about Glenn Kamara, I've got to be honest. He's he's had a couple of nightmares at, at, at Parkhead. Don't get me wrong, he's played well at Ibrox, especially when he's, you know, a few seasons back when he sold uh, Lego a, 
I don't mean in the middle of the park, the, the whole place in raptures. Um, but in terms of you know the defensive side, of it, which is it's always like a vital part of you know midfielder. Glenn's been well off it. So does he come in? Difficult one for the manager. Uh, I'd be tempted to start him on the bench. Uh, but we need his energy. You know, he's, it's a difficult one. I, I would be tempted just to, to flood the middle of the park. But that's obviously going to have an impact on how, you, how we go forward. So it's a difficult one. But whoever comes in, uh, they've got to be at it. And they've got to be, got to be fit. If John Lundstrom needs to take another injection and get himself through the game, then so be it. Ryan uh, Jack's obviously scratching for forum. He's been getting the ball away because he is. He's obviously looking for that match fitness. And that's not something we'd associate with a fully fit on song Ryan Jack. He was one of the best players I've ever seen Scott in terms of Scottish player at keeping the ball. So we need that. Um, I would I'd be tempted to go with if it's assume it's a three-man midfield, I'd be tempted to go with Lindstrom, Ryan Jack, and uh, Scott Arfield. Yeah, I'm actually in complete agreement about your, your midfield three, David. Brian Lashley, um, what, what about yourself? Who would you be putting in the midfield? Yeah, the midfield, I'd probably go, bearing in mind that I'd like to go for them from the first whistle, I'd go with Tillman, Jack and Kamara as your three in midfield and then Sakala, Morelos and Kent as your front three. Um, oh, you're going for it. I think we need to really get after them from the first whistle. I think... Tillman's got that in his game where he can play in that midfield three and, and do the work rate and kind of press high up and win the ball in their half and really get after him. Mm-hmm. Well, well, either way, um, however we set up, it's obviously a massive, massive occasion and I think that's a, a good note to end on. So, um, to the listeners at home, just want to give um, a massive thanks for, for all your support, not just tonight, obviously, in, but, but for the whole year, as I say, this is the last one of 2022. It's been it's been a great year for, for me personally as well, obviously, coming in um, at the start of this season. Um, it's been a great experience, obviously, um, getting to talk about the team that you love, and I think that's why that's why we all do it. Um, again, guys, um, the podcast should be available tomorrow on all of your um, your normal uh, podcast providers uh, like iTunes, Spotify um, and Google Podcasts. Just a reminder as well, you can get us over at www.jersnet.co.uk um, and over on Twitter at Jersnet Online. Um, but all that's left for me to do now is thank our, our guests for being on. Brian, thanks very much for, for being on tonight. No worries, thank you. And David, thanks very much. No problem, Craig. No Again, thanks very much, guys, for all your support um, over the last year. It's been um, a very strange year for Rangers, obviously getting to Seville, winning the Scottish Cup, two managers, um, and we're going to have a lot more crazy times in 2023, I think, as well, under Michael Beale. Um, So thanks very much to the viewers at home. All the best for the new year, and hopefully we can get the three points on Monday. Bye.